right, all right. Man, oh man, what a week. Hey, hope everything is going to, going well for you folks out there. Thanks for tuning in again. This is Slipstream, episode two, the wear a mask edition. Folks, it's getting crazy out here. Some states are spinning up a return to the pre-COVID life, and um, we don't have a vaccine. We still don't have a treatment. And uh, the numbers are still rising in most states. So I guess if you're going to go out, wear a darn mask, will you? So wear a mask. The more people that wear a mask, the better. And uh, that's my message. I'll get off my soapbox. Thanks for tuning in. Again, this is Slipstream, Episode 2. I am your host, Brent Houston, coming to you once again from the compound in Ohio. Uh, hanging out down here in the Hocking Hills. Let's see, I think this is day 55 of uh, being in isolation and sequester. So uh, uh, that gives you a little bit of hint. I think everybody's kind of experiencing a different sort of lifestyle now. So uh, let's see. Let's get started for the week. Uh, let's talk about some of the books that uh, I've checked out this week. Uh, the first one I checked out was called Cash Vertising. And uh, this is an interesting book. If you're uh, at all interested in how marketing works or how uh, ad campaigns are built, uh, this is a very interesting take on that. It goes all the way back to the history of advertising and it really kind of tears into about a hundred different psychological models that are used in advertising to help kind of motivate folks to do what you want them to do. Uh, pretty good read. Um, not too shabby. You can sit down and uh, certainly listen to the summary um, and really, really get the gist of the book. Uh, looks to be pretty easy reading. I uh, didn't think it was all that uh, insightful, uh, although some of the models were new to me. So uh, I would check it out. Cash Vertising is uh, the name of it. If you want to look it up on Google, you have to use a uh, dollar sign for uh, the S in the title. Uh, it's kind of weird on there. It did come up the other way, though, but it tries to replace it with a, an odd uh, Unicode in my searching. Um Second book this week, The Art of Learning. Uh, this is by Josh Waiskin. I, I read this book uh, pretty much once or twice a year. Uh, I come back to it. And this is just a fascinating book. If you, if you aren't familiar with Josh Waiskin, he's, uh, he's the young man. If you've ever seen the movie, The Search for Bobby Fischer, uh, it's really about him. Um, and he's sort of a... A learning savant. He's, uh, you know, he's done a lot of rapid skills acquisition work. He's sort of the hero, uh, one of the heroes in that movement. And he covers everything from how to learn martial arts to musical instruments to languages to chess, all of these different uh, tool sets, really just by learning how to best learn. And the book is sort of a treatise on how to best uh, develop your learning style, how to dig into rapid skills acquisition, um, how to optimize practice. 
So the idea of like practicing a skill, how to sort of optimize that and, and weave it into your life. So fascinating. Again, this is probably the 20th time I've either read this book, listened to the summary, listened to the audio book. I've got, I own, I don't know, three or four copies of it uh, in, in my different uh, locations. Um, and I've given this book pretty heavily as a gift uh, to friends. So check it out, Art of Learning. Uh, Josh Waitskin, just phenomenal. If you want to learn more about Josh, uh, you can just Google him. And, uh, of course, Wikipedia has a good entry for him. But also, uh, he's done a lot of speaking that you can check out on YouTube. So just really phenomenal stuff. Uh, never a bad time uh, spent learning about him. Uh, the third book I hit this week, I didn't get through, uh, I usually get through about five books, but I only got through about three this week. Uh, so A Whole New Mind, A Whole New Mind uh, is the, the book, uh, the third book here. And this is sort of an interesting uh, book. It, it talks a little bit about uh, different types of, of psychology and uh, the difference between left brain, right brain, and how, uh, you know, sort of we've, we're changing in society from analytical-driven uh, society to a creative ideation society, and it walks you through sort of how to integrate uh, those different parts of your brain together. Um, it, it was pretty revealing. I think there's some interesting stuff in there, particularly if you're an engineer or a software developer um, that teaches you sort of more of the value of design and sort of more value of the left brain uh, approach to problems. So uh, check that out, uh, A Whole New Mind. It's a pretty good, easy read. Uh, you know, check it out. And, uh, of course, you can find these summaries on Blinkist or 12 Minutes or any of these uh, summary sites out there. That's how I consume them. Um, and I'm still continue to read the two hardback uh, books that uh, you know we've talked about last episode. These are sort of read async. So I I typically every morning I try to read a go through my morning routine and I try to read a book summary. Uh, again, I only got through three this week, but usually I get through you know five or six. Um, but uh, I always have a couple of books, you know, hardback, paperback. Uh, maybe a Kindle book, and I'm always reading a couple of them just whenever I have spare moments, right? So if I'm standing, in the old days before COVID, if I'm standing in line somewhere, I might get through a couple of pages. If I'm using the restroom, I might get through a couple of pages. Uh, if I'm, um, you know, waiting for a download, if I'm you know, doing some work in the lab and I'm waiting for a scan, I'll read a few pages. And so I'm still continuing to read uh, the... The Poor Charlie's Almanac from Charlie Munger, and Surely You Must Be Joking, Mr. Feynman, uh, by uh, Richard Feynman. So um, those are continuing. They've been very useful. Both of those are great books, as I talked about uh, in the first episode. So uh, switching gears, uh, this week I checked out a couple of uh, cool things uh, to watch, Um I've been really, really enjoying Good Omens, which is an Amazon Prime uh, TV series. And uh, really phenomenal. The, the book, of course, was written by Neil Gaiman. 
just a really, really great story. Um, and it's sort of uh, biblical, you know, pseudo-religious uh, kind of content. It can be offensive if you're, if you're somebody who is offended uh, by sort of religious parody uh, or religious paradox. Uh, either one of those you may find in the series. So this is really a covering of the end times and the story between a demon and a, an angel and an odd relationship throughout history that they have. So just really phenomenal. Check it out. Good Omens. Uh, it's on Prime. If you want to read more about it, um, just sort of some of the uh, PR around the, around the series is, is really fantastic as well. Uh, this week, I've also spent some time watching Frasier. Uh, this is the old TV show set in Seattle. Uh, it's Frasier Crane, Dr. Frasier Crane, who's a radio psychologist. And uh, he's from, it's a spinoff of Cheers, that old TV show. Um, so just phenomenal. I think I'm on season seven here. We've, over the last couple of years, we'll watch a season or so. We'll switch to something else. And uh, my wife and I both really enjoy them. So. Uh, Frasier, I can't, uh, I can't tell you, uh, it's, it's a great show if you just want something that's good enough for the family, it's not uh, too adult, and if you've got youngsters, they, can, they might get something out of it. Um, pretty funny, uh, it gets funnier as it goes along, so check it out, uh, I think Frasier, well worth watching. So let's see, a couple of stories this week, uh, I've got a couple of stories to tell, so the first one... Um, is a case I worked this week, and I called the case Google Your Own Fraud, uh, and uh, <laughs> this is an interesting story. Um, so now that we're all working sort of at home, uh, or a lot of us are working at home, um, you've got folks kind of doing things uh, differently than uh, you know they, maybe they did in the office or uh, something like that. Um, and maybe they're working from a different computer. So uh, in this case, this was an accounting uh, gentleman, and he was working from home, working from uh, his own computer at home as opposed to his uh, computer in the office. And he wanted to uh, log into a bank account that belonged to the company uh, so that he could transfer some funds, which he does uh, usually two to three times a week on his work computer. Uh, the difference is, on his work computer, he has a link uh, to that site, to the bank site. Uh, unfortunately, this time, he, uh, he didn't have that link. So he just went out to Google, and he Googled uh, the name of the bank, business login. And uh, lo and behold, several pages popped up. He just clicked on the first one. It, it sort of looked like the bank name. Um, but it turned out it was actually, of course, a phishing site. So he self-clicks, self-selects into a fish, didn't get an email, but uh, instead that site came up in the Google search and he clicked on it and he goes to that site. So now he's at a phishing site and he doesn't realize it. So it asks for his login and password, which he obliges, and it asks for his hard token. So uh, got a pocket token. He gets his pocket token out. He puts in the code off the pocket token. And the script on the back end of the website 
uses that information to log in, and immediately he gets a message back that his login has failed because the site is unavailable for the next two hours. Try again two hours from now. Looks official, so he sits aside the site for two hours. Meanwhile, the attacker, the script on the back end, has logged in now with his token and alerts a human. And that uh, session gets shoveled to the human, and the human is logged into uh, the account as the accountant. And so you can imagine what happens next. A bunch of ACH uh, fraud occurs. Uh, they make uh, roughly about uh, 30 different transfers uh, while they kind of keep that connection alive. Um, and each one of those transfers is sort of uh, between $5,000 and $10,000, but never exceeding the $10,000 amount not quite touching 10 grand, and they transfer that to a bank uh, here in the United States in the Northeast. And they make all of those transfers to different names, but into the same account. Um, and unfortunately, the bank uh, that our, our friend uses uh, doesn't catch that. So the money actually does transfer, of course, once there's, uh, that money arrives the next day into the account, it is sucked out of that account and off uh, to a bank in Asia. And by the time our friend uh, logs in the next day and sees the, uh, the ACH transfers, he, of course, panics and starts to reach out to the bank and say, I didn't do this, and... We have this whole discussion about um, the token and all of that. So uh, we end up doing some forensics on the machine uh, because he doesn't know how his friend, his uh, stuff was stolen. Of course, we look in the email because um, we're used to seeing fishes and we don't see anything in his email that is a fish and uh, nothing seems to coincide uh, except we dig into the history on his personal machine at home, and there it is. We see him Google uh, the name of the bank plus business login, and his next click is to a site that looks like the bank name, but of course is not the bank name. So sort of a double piece here, cyber squatting. Uh, the bank didn't have very good control over sites that were similar to its uh, professional name, and then you have the gentleman working from home now um, basically Googling his own fraud um, and not really paying that close of attention. Um, it's just a difference in business process, and that's what they took advantage of. So um, thought it was an interesting story. Google your own fraud. Uh, pay attention to what you click on, what links you, you click on, and, uh, you know, just know that this stuff is out there. Attackers are taking advantage of anything that is sort of different or, or change. Uh, kind of another thing I've been working on this week, I talked a little bit about this in the last episode, where um, I'm engaged to look at the privacy and security concerns uh, in automatic, automated contract 
tracing systems. So if you think about, uh, we're starting now to use technology to identify folks who have tested positive for COVID and, uh, you know, what did they do? Who did they talk to? Who have they been around? And so a lot of these are, are, are technical automated contact tracing systems that are starting to come up. So most of it is based on mobile application, uh, mobile applications. So install uh, an application on your phone or uh, maybe it gets embedded into the operating system of the phone. And all of a sudden you've got these different Bluetooth uh, signaling and GPS tracing and uh, you know, that data gets uploaded to the cloud and then it's aggregated and they can see concentrations and they can see when a, a person who tests positive, who they interacted with. So, I mean, it's sort of interesting that I've got several weeks to go on this project, but um, what is clear about this is that there's a lot of this data uh, that could very easily be misused. That was the first thing that kind of jumped out at me about it. Um, there's some definite privacy concerns. Um, there are concerns about how uh, this type of issue could, you know, could bump into HIPAA and high-tech uh, concerns, simply because uh, much of this data could be used, obviously, to identify you as an individual, um, some of these systems even go so far as to do socialized risk scoring. Um, so you've got some folks talking about building that where maybe you could look at your phone and as you kind of walk around, um, it would tell you the security, the, the COVID risk of people that are near you, um, Obviously, there's some D. I you know there are some identification issues with that. There's some social stigma issues with that. Um, then there's also a number of issues that we're starting to encounter and look at around just the way some of these devices and applications communicate with each other um, using Bluetooth, but modified. Uh, data exchanges in Bluetooth, right? So what kind of data is moving over these Bluetooth connections? How is How does Wi-Fi play in this? How does cellular play in this? Um, you know, is the application built in such a way that if it's constantly beaconing out your sort of social score uh, with identity data or even anonymized sort of data, is it... Uh, broadcasting or receiving anything uh, that isn't properly bounds checked or isn't properly contained, um, you know, in, inside the operating system. A lot of this is is sort of uh, you know high data transfer from uh, exchanging data with a variety of unknown and untrusted devices. So. We're kind of looking at some of that uh, and trying to help out, and it's an, an interesting area of research uh, where I am uh, doing some work. Uh, I mentioned last week I'm also working on the rebrand for uh, notquiterandom.com, and sort of going. I'm, I plan to use that to unify uh, my different businesses and and some of the branding around that, and. Uh, some of my social media aspects and some of the other work I do. Uh, so look for that. I, I'm 
going through, I've reviewed some initial design stuff from uh, some contractors, and I am looking at what kind of look and feel uh, we're going to add to notquiterandom.com. So uh, I, I have been taking a course. I talked about this last episode as well. I'm continuing. I've got a few more to go. Uh, but via the Insight Timer application, uh, I've been taking a course called Walking the Path of the Buddha During Times of Crisis. And uh, this is really a fantastic course. If you're interested in modern Buddhism, um, and I'm talking about Buddhism outside of the sort of mystical, woo-woo, uh, religious sense, uh, but really just Buddhist thought and, uh, and some of that, um, it, it, this is a really, really great course. It's full of uh, some pretty significant insights, and there's really a lot of uh, interesting talk about psychology and motivation and the way that the brain works, some neuropsychology uh, as well. Um, so just just fascinating uh, content. And it's, it's done in a way that doesn't overemphasize sort of the mystical or dogmatic uh, parts of Buddhism. So I think you might check that out, Walking the Path of the Buddha during times of crisis, and I'm uh, consuming that on the Insight uh, Timer app. All right, I'm going to close out here. We've got just a few more minutes, but I'm going to close out with, of course, my mental model of the week, and the mental model this week uh, is inversion. Inversion comes from Jacoby. Uh, Jacoby, of course, is a mathematician and historic um, figure. Uh, very strong around mathematics and, and did a lot of early work across uh, mathematics. And uh, he had a saying, invert, always invert. And um, what he meant about that was the, the idea of mental model of inversion is that some problems are more easily solved or can only be solved in reverse. So thinking about the end uh, state and working backwards, or literally doing mathematic inversion. Um, and so you can read a lot about Jacoby. He's actually a really, really interesting guy. His name is Carl Gustav Jacob Jacoby, um, and he was born in 1804, died in 1851. And he's just a, a really fascinating German mathematician. Uh, he is sort of the father of elliptic functions. He came up with differential equations and determinants and contributed heavily to number theory and dynamics. Um, just really, really an interesting uh, personality in the history of mathematics. And certainly, as you think about mental models, uh, really just a, a leader in that. And I'll tell you, um, inversion, working backwards, always uh, seems to work better for me. I, I, uh, I guess I'm a classic reverse engineer. I like to think about the solution and then work backwards to through the milestones back to the, the origination of the problem. Um, I do this frequently when I'm sketching out uh, different scenarios. I really like thinking in reverse, and, and I find it very useful. So, inversion and uh, Jacoby, if you want to check that out. So, 
that's it for this week. It's been Slipstream, Episode 2. I hope you're all well, and uh, I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, I would ask, you know, reach out on Twitter. I'm at LB Houston, of course, and let me know what mental models you find most useful in your work or everyday life. Let me know what you're, what you're reading. What are you watching? And uh, until next time, hey, man, stay safe out there. Take care of yourselves. And uh, I hope I'll catch you on the flip side.